What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because, like it or not, we're all marketers. Whether we're selling ourselves in a job interview, pitching our product or service, or trying to get people to pay attention to our content, we're all marketers. And you should know this is one of my all-time favorite topics. How do we solve the awareness problem? How do we position ourselves so the right people find us and so that the wrong ones leave us alone? To spark some inspiration and maybe breathe some new life into your own marketing efforts, I asked members of Side Hustle Nation to share what is working for them right now. If you want to make more sales and grow your audience and your business, stick around because we're talking search, we're talking social, we're talking sales, lots of fun ideas inside, I think 16 in total. And to kick us off, I wanted to share a recent marketing win of mine, which was driving email subscribers from Facebook. So I've had the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group since, I want to say early 2015, and it started out mostly as a place for listeners of this show to hang out, ask questions, interact with each other, and that's been awesome. What I've noticed is over the last year or two is that a lot of new members were discovering the group from Facebook organically, either from searching side hustle as a keyword or as a suggested group based on their interests. Like Facebook shows this in the sidebar, you know, recommended groups. And I thought that was cool, but I never really had a great system for bringing those people deeper into the side hustle nation ecosystem. Hey, there's a blog. Hey, there's a podcast. Hey, there's this email list. So what shifted is this summer I started testing, adding a new membership question. These are the questions that you ask prospective members to answer when they request to join your group. So I started asking people if they wanted my best side hustle ideas and tips over email. Well, color me pleasantly surprised when a pretty high percentage of people started saying yes to that and including their email. Now you can play the copy and paste game here to get those emails into your email service provider because Facebook obviously doesn't connect directly to whatever service that you're using, active campaign in my case, but I found a super helpful Chrome plugin called Group Leads that automates this for you and does it on a really uh, affordable pricing level too. So with the help of Group Leads, I've added, I want to say 2,300, 2,400 incremental email subscribers over the last few months directly from Facebook. So that's a great marketing win for me. Marketing tip number two comes from Stacy Ogden from SideHustleTeachers.com. Hey there, I'm Stacy from SideHustleTeachers.com and the Side Hustle Teachers community on Facebook. As a full-time teacher and a side hustling business owner, something I'm always looking for are ways to make marketing easier. I myself am a big fan of content marketing, and that's what I teach my students how to do. And one thing that's been a game changer for all of us is writing a promise for each blog post, podcast, or video we create before we actually craft the content. A promise is simply a two to three sentence declaration of what your audience will gain from reading, listening to, or watching your content. There are a lot of reasons that this can be a small but mighty tweak for your business, but here are my two favorites. First, as side hustlers, we're often creating our content in spurts, a little bit here and a little bit there. And writing a promise as part of our content planning helps us to stay focused on the original intent of the content and prevents us from going off on a tangent. So even if we write that blog post over several days, 
our promise keeps us grounded. And second, you can repurpose your promise as your social media posts, your pin descriptions, and other promotional copy. This can be a huge time saver, and it saves you the frustration of trying to summarize a post or an episode after you've crafted it. So next time you sit down to draft a blog post, a podcast, or a video episode, take a few minutes to write out a promise for that content. You'll be surprised how much easier it makes your marketing. Thanks for sharing that, Stacey. In the battle for attention, I think this is really important. What's the promise? What's the hook? That's how I start every episode of this show before ever sitting down to record and most of the time before even finding the guest. What is the hook? What is somebody going to learn in exchange for their time in consuming this? Jacques Hopkins has called it the transformation. How is someone's life going to be different or better after consuming your content or after buying your product? Now, one of the core rules of marketing is to meet your customer where they already are. And there's never been more places or more strategies to do that than there are today. In episode 429, Carrie Adam described how her Facebook audience for running moms started to grow when she stopped teaching and started connecting in a different way. People actually, they're not using Facebook to learn. They're using Facebook to connect. And this is where learning how to use Facebook and work with Facebook and really understand the platform has helped me grow my audience in ways that were not working for me the first three years of my business. Because as a physical therapist, I wanted to teach. I wanted to like tell people what they were doing wrong and tell people how to do it better so they can get better results. But that kind of used to, it used to leave a gap for me between it left a gap there where people, I felt like my audience didn't really connect with me. It was like, I was, I find people like when you connect with them first, what I use on Facebook now is my Facebook page is just memes and quotes and and fun things. Like I'm just another runner in the group because I can connect with them. And I ask questions. I want them to tell me, when did you start running? What time of day do you work out at? Do you use Fitbit or Garmin? Like, what's your favorite? What kind of shoes are you wearing? So I've learned how to use Facebook and really connect with my audience, not as a physical therapist, because that almost puts me, it separates me from people, but I need to connect with them first. And then in my challenges and in my my free Facebook group, I will teach more. And so being a physical therapist there has really allowed me to, once they connect with me, know, like, and trust me as a person, then they'll listen to what I have to say because the fitness industry is huge. And and the honest truth is online, people don't care that I'm a physical therapist. They actually really don't. They just want the result that they want. Can you get me that result or not? And the only way I can get them to listen to me, even like I know I can help them, but I can't help them if I can't get them to listen to me. I have to connect and have them know, like, and trust me as a person first. Connecting first and then more in-depth teaching and training later. It's the same strategy that Eureka Dyer from CareerLinko.com applied on LinkedIn. Hi, this is Eureka from CareerLinko.com. There's a marketing thing that I'm really excited about lately, generating leads from LinkedIn. After starting to freelance on Upwork in 2018, I've worked with more than 500 professionals and helped them find a job they love with personalized resume and LinkedIn profile writing services. Gradually, I've built a six-figure business, set up my own site, and made my hobby ditches nine to five. And yeah, that's been awesome. Recently, I thought of using LinkedIn to drive leads to my website. 
careerlinko.com as it has the perfect audience that I'm looking for, job seekers and professionals. And guess what happened? I found potential clients reaching out to me, sending DMs, wanting to work with me. I thought that was a pretty cool thing as this was completely free and 100% organic. I wasn't doing any expensive paid ads or, you know, sending salesy gross cold DMs to strangers. What I was actually doing was just simply posting helpful and informative content on LinkedIn about what I do, how I help my clients, resume writing tips, LinkedIn hacks, client testimonials, and more. Fun fact, I also found that professionals on LinkedIn were willing to pay me higher rates as well. With the help of LinkedIn, I've added a new lead generation channel to my business and diversified my audience, which is a brilliant marketing win for me. For more on LinkedIn and using your profile as a dedicated landing page for your ideal client, I definitely recommend checking out the episode with Helen Pritchard from last year. That was number 383, where she breaks down this LinkedIn connection plus content strategy. Now, we're in the home stretch of the year here, and you might be thinking it's probably time to get your books and your accounts in order, maybe organize that proverbial shoebox of receipts. If you're in that boat, I want to invite you to check out our sponsor, FreshBooks.com, which helps you track your income and expenses throughout the year. That gives you a real-time dashboard of your profitability, and it makes tax time a breeze. Here's FreshBooks founder and CEO, Mike McDermott, on what FreshBooks does and who it's for. Ridiculously easy to use invoicing and accounting software that's in the cloud so you can access it on any device. As I like to say, uh, if you invoice, you need fresh books. We, we don't do retail. We don't do restaurants. We're just built for people who send invoices, get paid for their time and expertise. And we serve people with no employees up to people with uh, a lot of employees. This is the tool I rely on when I need to invoice sponsors or advertisers. I've been a customer for years. Side Hustle Show listeners can try FreshBooks free for 30 days at freshbooks.com slash side hustle and get more time back to build the business you love. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to test it out for free. There's no catch and no credit card required. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, if you are going to pay for ads, you might want to try this unique laser targeting strategy from Chad Lowey. Hey, this is Chad Lowey from WP Harbor, and I've been working on raising awareness of my company's WordPress management services using laser-focused Google Display ads. What I mean by that is handpicking exactly which websites or YouTube videos my ads are displayed on 
So far, this has resulted in 24,000 impressions aimed at my ideal target customer at a cost of only $100. So I found Google Display Ads to be a pretty effective way to reach a lot of people without spending a lot of money. Thanks for sharing that, Chad. Actually sounds pretty cool, the level of granularity and targeting you can achieve these days versus 50 years ago, for example. Well, there's three TV channels and a billboard on the highway, right? Meet your customers where they already are. The next few strategies here have to do with capitalizing on new products and trending topics. First up with uh, tip number six in this episode is Anthony Chansamuth. Hey, Nick and Side Hustle Nation. It's Anthony Chansamuth from simplecreativemarketing.com and Authentic Influence Podcast. I'd love to share how my investment in one particular tool has helped attract new opportunities for my business. The tool that I've been playing with recently and absolutely loving is Jarvis.ai. This AI-powered copywriting software has been great for writing articles and marketing copy in half the time that it used to take me. Uh, And it also helps me with removing writer's block. And I've also begun using it to outline and draft my new book. Now, I've been blogging about my experiences, doing Jarvis demos on Facebook Live and posting review videos on YouTube. I've also published a Jarvis resources page on my website, which is a great starting point for anyone interested in learning about the tool. Now, this has led to a paid Jarvis coaching gig. One of my articles on copywriting software is ranking page one on Google. And I also, I've been making several hundred dollars a month in affiliate income. So as a marketing strategy, I feel it's worthwhile to invest time in learning how to use one tool really well and share videos and articles about your experiences with it. It also helps to be super active in the official online group for the tool and related groups as well. I like this idea of working in public and becoming an early vocal user and member of the community. And I think that naturally leads to a lot of perceived expertise and good things can come of that, especially if you can be among the first to claim authority in that space like Anf has done with Jarvis. In episode 432, Tammy Smith described a similar strategy when it came to her SEO written content. And this is tip number seven. And honestly, something that I've found over the last year is like a lot of times these tools will show you that there's zero search for something and you can write the review. And sometimes you go right to page one if you're lucky because no one else has done it and you'll actually get immediate sales on it because there is search. It just Google hasn't picked that up yet. So that's one of my favorite ways to kind of jump on things with especially you know, I'm pretty good at identifying like products that are going to be popular or that I see people talking about on social media and stuff. So even if it says there's zero search, a lot of times there's something. No, I love this strategy for SEO because by virtue of being first or by virtue of being early, you can naturally start to gain some traction and some links. And hopefully that brand has some staying power. So that article can be a long-term asset and long-term income driver for your site. Where I don't know if it makes sense is if it's a flash in the pan, kind of a news item, a trending topic. I want to focus on more evergreen content for the blog, for the website. But where trending topics can do really well is on YouTube because of the suggested search or suggested videos and other viral elements that YouTube has in place to boost up timely content. Here's Brad Long from Zero Debt Coach with tip number eight. Brad here from ZeroDebtCoach.com and the Zero Debt Coach YouTube channel. 
One thing I'm excited about marketing-wise lately is using the one-two punch of the marketing strategies known as trend surfing and creating polarizing content for my YouTube audience. Now, I actually started my platform back in 2018 as a more traditional blog using Pinterest as my primary lead generator. And while I was able to get some traction and grow my email list to about a thousand subscribers in that first year, I started to really come into an understanding of how powerful video is in fostering that deeper, more trusted connection with my audience. So in May of 2019, I faced my fears of being on camera and went ahead and started my YouTube channel. And it was slow, painful, and inconsistent at first, like it is for most of us. In fact, it almost took me two years to garner just my first 263 YouTube subscribers. But when I started learning about the potentially explosive benefits of trend surfing and creating polarizing content, I decided to give those a solid try. My opportunity arrived on a silver platter in early March of 2021 when I created a a video commentary on a trending and very polarizing situation in the personal finance niche. Long story short, that one singular piece of content took my channel from 263 subscribers to over 5,500 subscribers in just three weeks. And even better, I followed up with another polarizing piece of content about a month later that took me from that 5,500 to 8,500. The net effect, in just a few more months, I was able to increase both my YouTube subscribers to just under 10,000 and my email subscribers to the tune of over an additional 1,000, which increased my revenue to over $10,000 for that period of time through the sales of my digital courses, membership site, and affiliates. So in short, if you're marketing on YouTube, you should really look into trend surfing and creating polarizing content. They could just be the bump you're looking for like they have been for me. Good on you, Brad, for facing those fears, really in a couple ways. First, in putting yourself out there on video, which is a hard thing to do in itself, but then tackling polarizing topics. I think I've become allergic to conflict in my old age, but it's definitely a proven way to drive engagement. Next up, serial entrepreneur and karaoke star Deacon Hayes from Well-Kept Wallet echoed Brad's advice to tackle timely topics, but just on a different outlet. This is Deacon Hayes with Well-Kept Wallet, and for over a year now, I've been making videos on TikTok. I've been able to grow our channel in a short period of time to over 15,000 fans, which has been incredible. I have found that making videos with the following characteristics are responsible for the growth of our channel. The first thing is making videos that are relevant today. For a long time, I was making videos about what I wanted to make, but I quickly realized that they weren't getting much traction. I then started newsjacking, which is basically making videos related to current events, and the channel began to explode. I also used trigger words. These are words that capture people's attention so that they engage with the content and are more likely to stick around and watch the whole video. Lastly, my goal was to make videos that take complex things and make them simple, which is very effective in a short-form video like TikTok. I'm excited to see how these new fans on TikTok are now becoming email subscribers on our website so that they can become part of our larger, well-kept wallet community. Marketing tip number 10. And then in terms of content, like it's one of three things. And we see this on all social media platforms. It's either entertaining, it's educational, or it's aspirational. And I think if you can do all three, 
you have a viral video on TikTok. If you can be somehow educational or value driven while being entertaining and while being aspirational, your video will do well. And you notice if you go to my page, if you go to my TikTok, pretty much every video that's gone viral has done those three things. It's been value driven. It's given some sort of information that this person can use while also being bite sized, entertaining, not boring. Right. And the third thing is it's, I often, you know, talk about my story, what I've, built in terms of my business or in terms of my own wealth and incorporated that in for that kind of aspirational element. So the content we see do well on TikTok has at least one of those three things, if not two or three. Now, one thing Tori was really honest about in that episode was the dark side of going viral and the pure human nastiness, ugliness that can come out in the comments. But on the flip side, she's really capitalized on those viral waves to build her brand and build her business. And one reason it worked so well was she had the foundations in place at her first 100K to capture emails, to build trust, to drive product sales, drive affiliate sales. And it's a balance, right? I don't think in most cases it makes sense to build out these elaborate systems and automations and funnels just to be ready for when the traffic floodgates may or may not open. That's kind of putting the cart before the horse in a way. And I think you know, might lead to some procrastination on the marketing side, because if nobody knows you exist, the best sales funnel in the world is still useless. So what kind of foundation does make sense? Yes, some sort of landing page, an email capture, a basic welcome sequence. But beyond that, don't overthink it in the beginning. Another foundational element, especially for service entrepreneurs, is some sort of project management system to stay organized in both the sales side and production side of the business. Hey, this is Sarah St. John from thesarahstjohn.com and the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I recently launched my podcast production agency, Podseam, and was needing a software program that could streamline my client management and workflow. I tried out so many tools and they were either too expensive, too overwhelming, or didn't provide every feature I needed. Also, as a frugalpreneur, I really wanted to find something that was an all-in-one solution so that I wouldn't need multiple separate software programs to run my agency. The software program I finally found is called Plutio. It is a game changer. Not only is it affordable and easy to use, it also includes all the features I need and then some. Some of its features include client portals, task and project management, file manager, time tracking, templates, proposals, invoicing, contracts, inbox, wiki, forms, surveys, calendar, and more. It even has an app. So if you are looking for a tool to help manage clients, I highly recommend Plutio.com, P-L-U Thanks, Sarah, for that. And you can go check her out at the Frugalpreneur podcast. I know I did an episode with her a while back. Now, for all the talk about social media, if you're selling locally, it might be easier to just go back to basics. Here's Ken Carfagno from Smart Cleaning School. Ken Carfagno here from smartcleaningschool.com and also the Smart Cleaning School podcast. I have run a cleaning company for 17 years. I sold my first business. I rebuilt my second company in a way that I had not done before. This was so common and the way that we did business 30, 40 years ago that because of all the technology that came in, the stuff that was normal those many years ago actually gives us an advantage. 
Do you know that people don't like to make a phone call anymore or show up in person anymore? So that's what I want to give as my marketing strategy. In 2019 and 2020, I built a new network. I did that through multiple layers of marketing. No, it's not just one thing. It was multiple things. I started with local in-person networking. No, you don't do that. Yeah. Yep. Very basic. Local in-person networking. I joined my chamber of commerce. I found ways to serve my chamber of commerce. I went to committee meetings. I was a purple cow, as Seth Godin would say, as a podcaster in my local area. People wouldn't believe, wow, you have a podcast? Yeah, I do. And that raised up my level. So I just found ways to help my chamber during the pandemic with helping them to host webinars on Zoom. What's the Zoom thing? Hey, I know how to use it, guys, because I run online memberships. I can teach you. Wow, thank you, Ken. You're so smart. So I served. I took time. I invested into people. I followed up. I sent video messages after webinars to say, hey, great meeting you. Not just a regular message, but a video message like Vidyard. Wow, you really separate yourself. Wow, what kind of business do you have? Yeah, cleaning. And then I had opportunities within my chamber to do a showcase interview. And I did. And no one took advantage of that, my chamber president tells me. I took advantage of every resource the chamber offered for 215 bucks a year for the chamber membership. I also joined two other networking groups and I attended and I found opportunities to share, to do showcases, to refer people, to build up trust because that's the foundation, having trust. And what that did is it helped me to generate over $60,000 in new business in 2020 in my cleaning company. And here's what I'm doing actively. In the book Traction, Gino Wickman is coaching us to do vertical marketing or target marketing. Choose the exact clients that you want and then just go connect with those clients. Yeah, I could put out stuff to the masses to attract as many people as I can or I can find the 100, 200 customers that I personally want and that's what I'm doing. I have a list now of 240 offices that I would like to clean for. I need 10 right now in the next three months. And by the end of the next 12 months, I need about 40 of those 240. And I've got a three to $400,000 business earning me over $100,000 a year. So my technique is list of 240. And then I connect with every single one of them and follow up and ask if I can do quotes. Back to the trust thing, many of them already know, like, and trust me, which will help this process. So I can now grow based on the foundation of trust and person-to-person networking I did early on. And that is a purple cow. It's how people did business 20 years ago. That was the primary way. But now everything's so digital and so cool. Don't forget about the tried and true methods of marketing. Thanks, Ken, for sharing that. Ken and uh, Chris Schwab from ThinkMades did a really fun side hustle show showdown episode a couple summers ago, episode 397, if you want to go check it out. I know Ken's business has evolved since then, but it's a great conversation on the freelance versus agency model debate. Should I just do the work myself or does it make sense to hire other qualified pros from the get-go and just play marketer, manager, administrator? And for most local service businesses, the place I would put the bulk of my effort in in the online space is Google My Business and local SEO. If you can have those things firing, you're going to have a steady stream of qualified leads. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time. 
and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Here's Luke Vanderveer from episode 448 that we did on his rank and rent strategy on the basic elements to rank local sites well. I'm going to go out and look at all the top ranking competitors and see what content they have on their websites. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take everything they talk about and I'm going to write double whatever they have. So, you know, if the first guy's got five, six different topics he talks about. The next guy's got three or four. Next guy's got a couple. I'm just going to add them all up and I'm going to expand on every single one of those on my site so that I am the hub. I want to be like the, the Wikipedia. Are you talking about like blog posts or just like services that they offer? Services they offer and whatever they talk about. So like, it's, it's always easier with an example, but like if you, if you wanted to picture what you would be like, you want to be like the Wikipedia of whatever the topic is. So like if you type in Michael Jordan in Google, Wikipedia probably comes up with this first result, even ahead of Michael Jordan's you know, website, just because it has so much information, right? So let's say you, you got your content launched, your, your website looks great, you send it out there, now Google's going to index it. And chances are you're going to end up somewhere outside the top 10 pages. And you know just based on numerous studies of Google, Nobody's seeing you unless you're on page one. So you're just, it's like a business card. It's essentially useless unless people see it. And people won't unless you do some other stuff. And that next piece is local citations. So this is adding your company name, address, phone number, and typically website link okay. to other local websites and directories like Facebook, Yelp, Yellow Pages, um, City Search, AB Local, Super Pages all these other websites that are already trusted in Google so that Google can say, hey, you're one of the crowd now. And it'll start trusting you more. So it gives you the boost. You got to spend a little bit more time on the citations. Like one of the key pieces is like people will outsource it. And if you do that, you'll be asked for like a 200, 300 word description. And the provider is going to go out there and put the same exact description in every single citation which, you know, it's great to have all these citation sources, like you're listed in all these directories. That's awesome. But Google's duplicate content filter kicks in, and then half of those aren't going to index, which means it's not going to help you rank. So when you're doing the citations, a key piece is write a unique description for each one you do. It takes a little bit of time, but if you do it, you might not even need any links, depending on how competitive the niche is. The added benefit of ranking well for local search is you never know who might be looking. In Josh Belk's case, that free exposure led to a consistent, profitable B2B relationship for his mobile detailing business. Some people even can search on Google if they search for like mobile car washing or mobile detailing in my area 
or even detailing in my area, we do show up in some of the Google results too. So definitely those first time customers are, I would say, our prime target market. We also have a dealership. It's a small dealership that calls us about three or four times a week for different cars. And that's the best case scenario because they are reoccurring and they're always bringing new cars in from auction. That is someone that we can rely on without having to spend any new marketing dollars towards every single week. So, I think this idea of B2B partnerships is maybe an overlooked area of opportunity for side hustlers, even though we've definitely touched on it, but almost in passing in a lot of cases. For example, Monisha Misra, we talked about her charcuterie board business and focused a lot on the B2C side of things, like how do we sell these to consumers locally? But then she talked about being approached to do virtual team building events, like teaching companies how to make charcuterie boards or teaching their employees, rather, how to make these charcuterie boards. So that was another revenue stream for her business. Michael Essick, we talked about his print-on-demand t-shirt business, but then about how he started to book licensing deals with brick-and-mortar retailers, like right, adding this other leg to your revenue stool, thinking about how you can go from one-to-one in some cases to one-to-many. Instead of selling one copy of your product, could you license it out to an organization instead? Maurice Miller from MoabMall.com shared his take on this strategy. This is Maurice Miller from MoabMall.com. Something that I would like to share marketing-wise is something very simple, which is you know helping other people make more money while helping them provide great service. I have been selling my A to Z dinosaur coloring books primarily to parents for their children teachers for their students, and to local gift shops for tourists. But I started making a customized version for museums, and this was a game changer. See, it has their brand color and logo with a full ad for their business on the back cover. Their visitors get the coloring book, then people see the ad on the back, which functions as a promotional tool for the museum. They then visit the museum and possibly get a coloring book for themselves, and the process starts over again. See, now the museum gift shop sees the increased visitation and increased sales of the coloring books, and then they reach out to me now to make another purchase order because they want to keep their visitors happy. See, I also ask the museum for a photo of the book on display and a testimonial that I then use for reaching out to other museums. You see, I have a database of museums that I will go through, so having references makes a big difference. I know this takes a little extra time, but once it is done right, it will create a lasting partnership. By the way, I do not use any expensive software to create the coloring books. I simply use Google Slides. You know, this is a freely available software to everyone. When I need to make another version for another museum, I simply make a duplicate of the file and rename it. Then I make the necessary changes. Again, this is really simple. You could create templates for anything within Google Slides, which is a great win for me. And I know that it could be a great win for you as well. Have a good day. I love the creative twists on print on demand here, similar to what Tammy Crin talked about in her KDP for B2B business, Kindle Direct Publishing for Business to Business, custom branded books, maybe low content books, and the coloring book angle is really cool here. I think there are lots of potential bulk order customers for this types of things, museums, zoos, aquariums, right? create something once, sell it multiple times, or sell a slightly customized version to a different customer. Really cool stuff. Marie's excited to see where you take that. And thank you for sharing. Now, that being said, these types of win-win partnerships are something that work in tons of different businesses. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we heard from Dustin Lean, 
from Jump X Marketing. That was episode 465 on how he used partner workshops to grow his client roster for his marketing agency. So here's how he goes about figuring out who might make a good potential partner in relation to the ultimate customer he's trying to serve. And this is marketing tip number 16. It's really the biggest main question is, where are they already hanging out? Where are they online already? What other brand or or website or company has a big enough, like maybe they have a really big budget and they've already spent the money to acquire the customers that you also want to acquire. So maybe it's a software company. When you're filling out that Dream 100 list of who to partner with, think about who has your exact same target audience but is not a competitor. And that brings us back to talking about why niching down is important because if you are, or you know, in my case, I'm doing email marketing and, S- and SMS marketing for um, e-commerce brands. So now I can go to a, another agency, even or someone who's a blogger with a with a big audience, but they teach about SEO specifically SEO for e-commerce. And now we're not competitors, so they don't have to worry about me trying to siphon their audience for my business, and I don't have to worry about the same thing from them. So we can actually form a good partnership, do a good workshop, and cheer each other on instead of feeling like we have to compete because our target audience is the same. All right. After that marketing ideas brain dump, I am confident that you've got something you can put into action in your business. I'm going to recap the 16 tips here. Number one was to capture emails from your Facebook group and a shout out to group leads. That's the Chrome plugin, a Chrome extension that I'm using to get that done. Number two was to uh, start with the promise. Before you create any content, start with the hook, start with the transformation, start with the promise. It came from Stacy Ogden from SideHustleTeachers.com. Number three was to use connecting content to grow your following on Facebook rather than teaching content at the onset from Carrie Adam. Number four was to share your expertise on LinkedIn. Create consistent content on LinkedIn and watch the proactive leads kind of come back to you as a result after showcasing your expertise. Number five was to maybe experiment with some laser targeting advertising, laser targeted marketing by Chad Lowey. He talked about being able to handpick the websites and YouTube videos or YouTube channels that he wanted his ads uh, to show up on for, and that resulted in uh, a ton of very inexpensive ad impressions and hopefully awareness for his new business. The next one was to work in public on new tools like Jarvis in uh, Anthony Chansamuth's case to build authority and expertise in that space, which in his case resulted to some clients, some recurring affiliate commissions, lots of good stuff as a result of working in public. Marketing tip or marketing idea number seven was to consider targeting search terms that have zero volume, zero search volume, at least according to the keyword research tools, on the condition that you're confident this is an up and coming brand. Like people are searching for it, it just hasn't gotten into the research tools just yet. And she's seen some positive results from that with almost instant ranking, instant affiliate commissions on that front. Tip number eight was to target timely and polarizing topics and create YouTube videos for those. That came from Brad Long from ZeroDebtCoach.com and the Zero Debt Coach YouTube channel. Again, I'm maybe a little allergic to the polarizing topic, but as long as you're 100% confident in your side of the story, then uh, go to town with that. Just be prepared for some, uh, some backlash in the comments, depending on how polarizing it may be. Number nine was a little twist on that was to make TikTok videos about current 
news or current events in your niche. That came from Deacon Hayes from Wellkept Wallet. Tip number 10 came from Tori Dunlap from her first 100K. She gave her formula for viral videos on TikTok. If they can check these boxes, you might have a winner on your hands. Those being entertaining, educational, and aspirational. If your content can check those boxes, you might have a hit. Tip number 11 was to find the right project management tool, right? Get these kind of foundational tools and software in place before you uh, scale too quickly. So that came from Sarah St. John. Number 12 was from Ken Carfagno, who said, don't discount good old-fashioned local networking. For tip number 13, Luke Vanderveer gave us some of the simple steps to get started with local SEO in terms of the content that you need to create and how to go about creating your local citations and avoid any duplicate content de-indexing that may happen as a result of posting the same description on every single uh, website out there. Tip number 14 was from Josh Belk, who encouraged us to look for some B2B sales opportunities. Where can I find this uh, recurring business customer, if possible, and maybe make larger sales or recurring sales in that front? Similarly, Maurice Miller for tip number 15 talked about creating custom bulk orders. This little mindset shift of how can I go from one-to-one in this business-to-consumer mindset to business-to-business, custom orders, bulk orders, thinking about, okay, what? how could I sell multiple licenses to this thing, create something once, sell it over and over again? I really liked his advice there. And then number 16 was from Dustin Lean just a couple weeks ago to consider these partner workshops. Again, trying to figure out the number one rule of marketing, where your customers already are. How can you meet them there? One way to do it is through these killer partner workshops where it's education first. Almost, there doesn't even have to be a pitch, but through the establishment of your credibility and expertise, you naturally have clients and customers start reaching out to you for uh, whatever service you can offer. Big thanks to all the awesome Side Hustle Nation community members who shared their insights today. This was a ton of fun to put together to see what is working out there in the uh, broad range of side hustles. Big thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Check out freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your completely free 30-day trial today. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where we're doing the business idea giveaway episode. You won't want to miss it. I'll see you then. Hustle on.